0: from NJ.com. This is Talk is Cheap, a New York
1: Giants podcast.
0: We're talking big blue football all year round. Welcome aboard Giants fans to episode 105 of Talk is Cheap, our New York Giants podcast right here on NJ.com. I'm Joe Giglio, joined as always by James Cratch, Dan Duggan. They cover the Giants for NJ Advanced Media. We're down in Tampa for week four where the Giants Lose another heartbreaker. Now 0-4 on the season. They go down 25-23 to the Bucks in a game that it felt like no one really wanted to win, but someone had to at the end. And as we get this thing going and look ahead at whatever the Giants now are, James, they are now the third team, only three teams ever in NFL history, the 2017 Giants now among them, to lose consecutive games on the final play of the fourth quarter. So they look like garbage the first two weeks. Last two weeks they show some life but we sit here now in the same spot we were before the season, James zero wins.
1: Yeah. They're they're bad. They're a bad football team. I mean, that's really all I I think you can say. Um, They, they just, they stink, you know, it's, it's, it's over. So got to play 13 more weeks, 12 more games, but this is, you know, this is a zombie team basically. And they just have to hope that it doesn't get worse in the sense that their locker room implodes and it becomes a circus. But, uh, the on-field you know, aspirations, hopes, dreams of the Giants, uh, kaput. It's over.
0: Dan, it felt like the Bucs were trying to give the Giants that. And The Bucs get off to the lead. They're they're up in the first quarter, and then there are missed field goals. There are mixed extra points. Nick Folk didn't look like the type of kicker. They would go out there and nail one to win it. And then you look up at the end of the day, and they lose again. I mean, even a game where the opponent, it really felt like two weeks in a row in the fourth quarter, the opponent was trying to give it away. They couldn't take it.
2: Yeah, well, the Giants managed to one-up them because, I mean, it's, it's so funny how two weeks ago we were saying, and we were all kind of bracing for the fact that at some point the defense is going to start pointing the finger at the offense because they've really carried them for over a year. And now the shoe's been on the other foot, at least in the second half of these past two games. The offense finally showed some life, finally gave them some leads, and then the defense let them down. And, and you know, it's it's a total reversal from last year when the defense came through every time they were kind of put, you know, in a tough spot late in the game that, you know, they'd make the stand and get off the field. Uh, and they had the chances on Sunday and just weren't able to do. it. like you said, Tampa Bay certainly uh, left the door open for them to, uh, to you know sneak out of there with a win. Um, but you know it's just like James said, you know bad teams find a way to lose games. You know, the Giants found ways to win games last year, and now it's just going the other way and and now it's just become like a snowball rolling do- a snowball rolling down the hill where uh, it's hard to see kind of an end in sight. Uh, because, you know, things have just kind of gotten so out of hand now. 0-4, everybody knows the history. One team in NFL history has made the playoffs, uh, you know, from an 0-4 start. And Ben McAdoo kind of channeled his Jim Mora. Uh, playoffs ran up there when he said he's just trying to win a damn game. Uh, and it, That's certainly an understandable feeling right now because the playoffs should be the furthest thing from these guys' minds.
0: James, uh, on the defense and what Dan was saying there about how that failed them, it seemed, in this game on Sunday. I mean, I'm looking up at the end of the day, and I, I watched the game. This when I watch the game, I don't really look at the stats or the numbers during it, and then I try to go back and see, like, all right, what, what did I really just see there? And I went back after the game and I looked at it, and, if James, if I had told you they'd win time of possession, they wouldn't allow a sack, only one penalty, they'd rack up 379 yards, not have a turnover, Eli Manning would play relatively well, um, I th- and the running game, I think, would be, you know, better than it has been in other weeks. I think I would have said they should win that football game, but yet they didn't. And the defense, not that it's awful, but if they played like this last year offensively, they would have won going away. The defense just isn't as good as it was last year. It's just not even
1: close. No, I think you're right. I would have thought they would have won too. But here's the thing. People are saying, oh, you know, you know, they could be two and two. They lost two close games. Yeah, that's, I mean, Nick Folk missed two field goals an extra point, and the Bucks had to go for two another time because he had missed the extra point. That's, what, six, seven, eight points? I mean, this game should not have been as close as it was. The Buccaneers should have kind of won this game by a touchdown or so. So I think people have to take that into account, too, that this is a team that they got all that right, but at the same time, they played one good quarter of football in Philadelphia, and they had a kicker – I mean – Nick Folk almost missed the layup at the end of the game. I don't think many people notice it because you know once, it, once it's good, it's good. The game's over. But when I went back and looked at it. He barely snuck that thing in. Bob
2: Papa on the radio said he missed it at first,
1: oh, <laughs> and man, then he realized
2: it went through. Yeah, it was it was ugly.
1: So I, I'm just saying, I don't. I came away from this game thinking to myself, even though the score was close, they the Giants were, in my opinion, outplayed. And you're right. The fact that the offense did all that, I mean, that's the be- – I think what you saw on Sunday is the absolute best case in this Giants offense given its limitations. And the defense was atrocious. And it's not quite 2015, but, I mean, the bad old days are back for the Giants defense. So what happened
0: here, Dan? I mean, how did the de- – there were some stats before the season that people were suggesting. Maybe they had taken too big of a leap last year. Maybe it was unsustainable. I mean, that defense was for real last year. It wasn't like we were watching something fluky. They were really good. Are they being asked too much? Or are they just worn down? Why do you think the defense has gone from wherever they were ranked or you think they were ranked after the season last year, top three, top five, to yeah. just okay right now? They're, they're certainly not dominant, no matter how you break it down.
2: Yeah, no, it's, it's shocking. It's, it's the biggest shock, uh, you know, to this start. That the defense has, you know, looked the way it has. And I, I don't have the answer. And I'm, I'm pretty sure Steve Spagnuolo and Ben McAdoo and Jerry Reese, they don't have the answer either. Because, uh, you know, when you ask them, they don't really, you know, there's, not, there's no magic bullet. And, you know, as people start to look at Jonathan Hankins. I mean, come on. Like, he was yeah. a solid player. There's no way that that is the missing piece um, from this defense. I think a lot of guys just aren't playing well. Uh, you know, Darian Thompson, it, it just seems like, you know, he's kind of living off what he did last offseason. He, he hasn't really shown anything since he came back from the injury that he's going to be a difference maker. And, and if anything, he's been a difference maker in the wrong way. I mean, he's he's been brutal as a as last line of defense in terms of missing tackles. Uh, Eli Apple, I, I you know, I think he's regressed a little bit. I think some of these flaws were there last year. It just seems like teams are really, you know, zoning in on him now and zeroing in on him because you know you don't want to go against Norris Jenkins, who has probably been – I would say the only player who's played above his standards, or at least at his standards, which is, you know, pretty remarkable because A, his standards are very high, and B, that means nobody else, you know, is kind of joining him up there. Uh, so teams just going at Apple. I mean, somehow they were, they were shadowing Jenkins with Evans, maybe 75% of the snaps, not every snap. As soon as Apple gets on Evans in the red zone, bang, they go right after him. Apple doesn't find the ball. It's an easy touchdown. I mean, that's just the type of things that is happening. The teams are finding their weaknesses. Uh, they're not getting any pass rush. I mean, Vernon obviously is banged up, so I'm going to give him a little bit of pass. But JPP kind of looks like he took the money and ran because I don't understand what's going on with him. He looked like a monster in the preseason. I felt like, you know, he's healthier from, you know, obviously the hand injuries behind him. He's back from the uh, the it was sports hernia last year. I thought he was going to have a big year, and, and, I mean, it was early. But, man, he has not shown up at all. Um, the, the tackling is, is just – every level is horrible. The linebackers can't get off blocks. When they do get off blocks, they're not making tackles. Like I said, Thompson missing tackles, but then even, you know, Jenkins and DRC had some big missed tackles and and they're just, it's just fundamental stuff. They're just throwing their shoulder into guys. I mean, you're 190 pounds. You got to come with a little more than a a shoulder bump in the open field against a running back or a tight end or even a wide receiver. Um, So yeah, I don't know. I don't know that there's one single reason, which makes it more difficult. If it was just, they missed Jonathan Hankins. I think they'd be able to scheme around it or whatever, but um, you know, I think everybody is just kind of playing down. Then you also get into the early in the season. I think they were gassed. Can't you really use that excuse these last two weeks? Maybe they're pressing. I mean, they have basically no turnovers this year. Uh, that was the way it was last year. And then they started to come in bunches. Maybe that happens. It's probably gonna be too little too late with, you know, the way the team is going right now. But, yeah, it's it's kind of top to bottom. It's hard to put your finger on uh, any one thing. It's just, you know, nobody's you know playing above their potential except for Jenkins. And a lot of guys are, are playing pretty far below it for a pro football focus, you know, their stats,
1: Carrie Wynn has one pressure this season. Romeo Okwara has zero. So I think once again, we're back in that situation and we're seeing it more with, with OV being hurt is that they don't have any depth behind their two defensive ends. They don't have any production and Avery Moss clearly isn't ready because he's inactive pretty much every week. So, that's, I think, is one of the, uh, one of the things that we had. There was an issue last year, and we talked about it a lot. Uh, they thought they had fixed it, but they haven't fixed it, and I think that also contributes to their issues. And the fact that when you take snacks off the field, the run defense in the middle caves in, I mean, it's just, I feel that maybe, and look, we're, we're guilty. because We all said they did a great job. They probably should not have brought this entire defense basically back as is for another year. That's probably where they made the mistake. Everyone's a year older. Guys got paid. They probably needed to infuse some fresh talent into that group, and they didn't, and I think they're kind of paying that price now.
0: It's interesting you you say that about the ends and the lack of pass rush and the depth there. I, mean, I think back to last week, uh, Doug Peterson, the coach of the Eagles, after the game referenced that part of the reason the Eagles kept running at the Giants in that game was he he saw, and they knew, that um, Pierre, Paul, and Vernon don't come off the field. 93% of the snaps were those. And we talked about this last year. It was the same thing last year. And he thought on a hot day they could wear him down. I mean, that's just one thing. But obviously the rest of the league notices what we've been talking about when they look at film on the Giants and that defense. And I think you're right on that, James. And it's interesting the last couple of days. James, I saw you wrote about what Eli Manning said to Mike Francesa on WFAN. Uh, I saw the quotes from Justin Pugh after the game. Do we expect this? Is this normal? Um, because – they're a team and they're they're playing week to week and there's a lot of football left. I mean, they, James, they kind of seem in denial that they're this bad and they think God's just, you know, just early in the season when everyone else is kind of saying, this is over, guys.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, look, I, I get that it's totally different mindset when you're actually a player on the team as opposed to a reporter. I mean, obviously, they care about the wins and losses. I We don't. But I will say this. In 2015 with the Giants, I know Dan wasn't on the beat yet. They would lose a game, usually you know, in the last second, heartbreaking fashion, and you would be there in the postgame locker room, and you would think, okay, this is it, like that's it, it's over. They this this run this this chance to make the playoffs is shot. Uh, they're done. And then you know the Cowboys would go lose, or the Redskins, you know, something would happen, and all of a sudden you'd be back on Tuesday or Wednesday, and the Giants would still kind of be in the same spot they were even you know on Sunday before they lost, I do think there is that kind of week to week mentality in the NFL where that, you know, these guys kind of have an even keel because yes, you could lose, but two weeks later you could be playing for, you know, a share of first place in the division. Now, obviously the Giants are pretty buried at 0 and 4, that's not gonna happen. But I do think there is that mindset of, you know, the season is never it feels dead, but it's never technically dead until, you know, the very end. That being said I, I also wonder if this team is kind of young, that they just don't understand the gravity of, you know, th- there's no turning back. And I guess that, you know, since there's an 0-14 that made the playoffs, they're going to hang their hat on that. But if they lose to the Chargers on Sunday, uh, I think it's really might set in that, you know, I mean, look, they're done now. But if they lose to the Chargers at home on Sunday in a matchup of winless teams, I wonder if they're going to suddenly, it's going to punch them right in the face that, we have blown such an epic, epic. I mean, honestly, this might be the biggest flop I can think of, team-wise in this area in in decades. What do you guys think?
0: That's an interesting question. I mean, I think back to the what the dream team Eagles of 2011 after the lockout. I mean, that was that was people thought they could be pretty good. They I don't remember what they started off. It was poor, but I think that team rallied for eight and eight. Dan, that leads me to the next question on this Giants team. Or I think we could all agree this thing is over in terms of winning a championship this year, what they talked about, what Casillas talked about with us, the playoffs and all that kind of stuff, but are we going to be staring at a 2-14, and 3-13 season, or do you think that there's still enough there to to win some football games? And we've seen teams start off poorly, rally, and have a respectable year, even though it's nothing close to what their goals were. Uh, I'm not sure what this Giants team's going to do. I think talent-wise they have enough talent to, to win some games, but I don't know anymore
2: yeah I mean it's hard to go 2 and 14 I mean I'm looking at last year's standings the only teams that were kind of down in that three win territory were the Bears the Jaguars the 49ers and the Browns I think we can all agree that as bad as the season has been the Giants aren't you know, in that category, there's way too much talent in this team for this to continue. I mean, listen, there's certainly no moral victories and, and bad teams find a way to lose games. But they've been competitive in the last two games. You can maybe even say the Lions game because it kind of changed on the Marshall drop and the punt return. I mean, they're not a team that's going out and just getting their doors blown off every week where you say they got no chance. They're going to stumble into a couple of wins because Odell will make some game changing plays or or Landon Collins. Well, I mean, at some point, the cream is going to rise to the top. In a game or two, I'm not saying rise to the top and get this team back to where we thought it would be before the season, but it's just I have a hard time believing this is a four-win team. I mean, listen, they gotta they gotta start putting a couple together because the schedule is tough. But I'm gonna say that the the floor is maybe six wins, Um the ceiling's probably not much higher than that, unfortunately, because you know they've dug such a deep hole here. But yeah, I just I don't see. It. I mean, two teams that win two games, you know, don't have a quarterback don't have a defense, you know, there's a, there's pieces on this team that uh, unless you think Ben McAdoo is just that inept uh, and that bad, I have a hard time seeing them not, like I said, just falling into a couple of wins um, because towards the end of the year, they're going to be playing other teams that probably going to be out of it. Uh, so it's, you know, they, they, they steal a couple of those wins and it, you know, puts a little uh, cosmetics on the record and they finish at seven and nine instead of five and 11 or something like that. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything in the big picture, but I, I do think that there is enough talent. Uh, and enough, enough pride. I mean, I know that we all on the outside think that these guys think they're dead and buried, but like as James said, the NFL, you only play once a week. You only play 16 games. Careers are short. Guys don't pack it in. It really just doesn't happen as much as I think we all think on the outside. I mean, I, there's no way guys are going into the meeting and saying, ah, oh, what's the point? We're going to lose again. They're, I'm, I mean, maybe not. it's it's not quite as committed as when you're you know in the thick of the playoff race, but teams fight. I mean, it's very rare I feel like the teams pack in, especially this early. Guys are... Are selfish. They're playing for their own contracts, if nothing else. So that alone is going to make you still play hard. You're not going to not prepare because then you'll be out of the league because you'll have bad tape for you know half a season. So that's the one thing. I mean, obviously it could kind of go off the rails and, and some of the stuff within the locker room maybe could get ugly. It's it's still been Kumbayas and kind of shockingly to this point, but I just, I don't see the bottom totally falling out because again, there's just too much talent. Uh, and I think at some point they'll get a few breaks and, and you know, at least get a few wins to, uh, you know, turn this thing around a little bit. Not, you know, not, not enough to, you know, like get it back fully, you know, in the right direction, but just, I can't see it being a, a two, three, four win team.
1: I agree with Dan that the talent, a level on this team, it's hard to see it, but let's run through the schedule real quick. All right, Sunday against the Chargers 0 4, 0 4. They should win that game at Denver. They're not going to win that game. Home against the Seahawks, I, I think Seattle might be kind of turning on. I-, I think Seattle probably should win that game. Uh, Rams at home, Rams are 3 and 1. At the Niners, got to fly across the country. Chiefs at Redskins, at Raiders, Cowboys, Eagles at Car. I mean. There's, there's no really game I look at this schedule and say they are definitely going to win this game. So while I, I think it's – I agree with Dan. I think it's unlikely that they would ever completely bottom out. I mean you look at that schedule. It, it, it's very realistic that they, just, they win three games this year just because they're going to play a lot of teams that are better than them or equal to them or are going to be in the hunt. I mean, it's just – it could get very ugly. I don't think it's going to get ugly, because I do think they'll catch some breaks, and eventually the, the defense will kind of right itself enough to the point that they're able to to kind of hold some of these leads. But, I mean, man, it, it's not going to get any easier. No, it's not going to get easy. I mean, look, you said
0: it, the Chargers this week, it, may, it might be the perfect time, the perfect team for a win, because the Chargers can't win close games, flying across country, 1 o'clock start. It might be exactly what the Giants need. But these problems they have are not going to go away and i i guess now i think a lot of fans are starting to think this Dan. i think that it's natural to start thinking this like what's the point and and not that the players should give up on the season and not that the team should a- actively try to lose games but we could kind of all see them going into no man's land where you're probably right, Dan, I tend to agree with you on this, that they're not going to be a three win team. It's more like six or seven, but they're also not going to rally rally to go to the playoffs. It's not going to be a great draft pick. It just feels like this first month of the season is going to equal out to just a lost season because of what they did here.
2: Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, you kind of touched on it there. Like the one thing that you've started, to, I've started to see fans on you know social media and in the NJ.com comments is, I hate the word tank really, anyways, especially in football. Uh, but you don't tank during the season. If you were going to tank, uh, you would do at least what it looked like the Jets were trying to do in the offseason, but apparently um, that scrappy group is, is too good to tank. But you 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 get rid of talent. That's how you tank. The talent is already on the team. You're not going to not play Odell to try and get a draft pick, or Odell's not going to not try to have 200 yards receiving every time he touches the field because he's worried about them drafting a tackle in the first round next year. So I just hope we can just dismiss any of that talk. It, it doesn't make sense. I mean, Eli, I mean unless they start – playing davis webb uh you're playing roger lewis over odell which would just be like you know malpractice type of tanking it's not going to happen i mean damon harrison is not going to try not try as hard because he wants them to you know get a good draft pick it just players don't think that way again like i said it goes back to if nothing else selfishness will help this team because guys always have to look out for themselves. So they're going to still play hard because again, their next contract depends on it. Staying in the league depends on it. So, uh, tanking, like I said, that happens in March when you cut a bunch of talent and try to shed some salary cap space again, like the jets tried to do, and that might backfire, but, um, this team's just not going to tank. It's impossible because they have the the players on the field aren't going to just go along with it because what do they carry? Oh, so I'm going to tank. So you can go draft my replacement next year. It just, it's a, it's a complete fan kind of fallacy. It won't happen. If they lose 13 games this year, it's going to be because the team stinks and maybe it comes apart at the seams and there's just no chemistry, but it won't be because players aren't giving their all or the team is actively trying to lose games.
0: James, do you think there's a point in this season if things do go awry? And and I think we're all on the same page. They're going to go out there on Sunday against the Chargers and try to win the game. They're going to go out there the week after in Denver and try to win that football game. Do you think there is a point? And I don't know what the the date is or the the number of losses, but at some point, do you think that what we're talking about becomes a real conversation, at least maybe among coaches, among the front office, that, hey, this thing's over anyway. Is it December? I mean, could they actually – actively try to do this or is it just out of the question
1: i I think you can do certain things at certain points like for instance if the giants get to december and they are i mean what i don't know two and ten maybe they sit down and say look we're, we're eli's gonna start every game obviously but we gotta find a way to get davis webb on the field get him a little game action just because you know." We've got to figure out what we want to do if we're going to have a top five pick. Do we want to take Sam Darnold? Do we want to take Josh Rosen? Do we want to take Mason Rudolph? Or are we going to take an offensive tackle or a linebacker or a defensive back because we feel confident that, that, you know, obviously Eli is going to be here next year and we think he's, you know, still got some time left and we've got Webb. I think that what Dan said about the contracts is, is right because, and I wrote this on NJ.com a couple weeks ago and people kind of got upset. With the exception of JPP and OV, there's really no guaranteed money left on the books for any of these guys after this season. So I think if you get to that point, the season really goes bad, you know, it kind of gets back to the locker room thing. The Giants can sit there and say, "Do we want to have build for our future or move forward with this guy and this guy and this guy?" You know, I mean, Giants fans don't want to hear it, but you know, they can potentially. Move on from guys like Janoris Jenkins and Damon Harrison after this season, you know, with the with the cap ramifications not being too severe. You know, Eli, I don't think is going anywhere, but he has no guaranteed money left. He's going to do a five million dollar roster bonus in in March of next year. So, you know, what are you going to do there? I, I do. I don't think you can tank, but I do think you can get to a point in the season where you're trying to win by working in younger players. You know, I do think you can get to a point in the season where you know what. We're going to cut down Brandon Marshall's snaps because he's just not producing and we want to get Roger Lewis on the field. And you know maybe we pull up Travis Rudolph in the practice squad and give him a little run. I think you get to a point where you say, you know what, Kerry Wynn, probably not going to bring him back next year. We can start giving those handful of snaps to Avery Moss. I do think you get to a point where once it's officially over, you're not going anywhere. You don't tank, but you make a concerted effort to play younger players. And naturally, that might decrease your chances of winning a football game, but you're building toward the future.
2: The thing, let me just jump in, Joe. The thing is, I'll say, like, the stuff you're talking about, like, Brandon Marshall and Kerry Wynn, I don't even know if you'd call that tanking. (laughs) I mean, they they probably should give Roger Lewis uh, or bring back Tavares King and give him Marshall snaps anyway. I mean, I think that type of stuff certainly can and will happen. I mean, listen, if they're going to go... Four and 12 or five and 11, it'd be crazy to just stick to the veterans, you know, through thick and thin into December because, again, you do have to have some eye in the future. But I think the other key thing to keep in mind we're talking about the players. Ben McAdoo has to win as many games as he can to save his job. I mean, if if this thing goes completely off the rails and they go three and 13. Who knows if Ben McAdoo will be back now. So if you're going to tank, that's why I think it has to be an off-season thing. It has to be an organizational decision because it's hard for me to see John Mara going down the hall, knocking on McAdoo's door in, in you know, mid-November and saying, listen, you know, we're 2-7 and seven, or whatever the record is. We're going to just pack it in on this year. Don't worry. You'll be back. Like I don't see that conversation happening. So I think – even if Mara in the back of his head is saying, well, it's time to look at the future, McAdoo has to serve his own selfish goal as well, which again is winning. So it's not like a bad selfish goal, but I can't see McAdoo saying, eh, you know what, let's just get Davis Webb ready for the future. Well, are you going to be there for that future if you put the kid in and he loses the last four games and your record totally goes in the toilet? So, And, and even Jerry Reese. I mean, I, there'd have to be a conversation with Mara saying, you guys are going to be back, so let's totally go to the future. And I just think that's a hard thing to do in the heat of the season when you've you've put all offseason into building something to pull the plug again. Because, again, these guys, if the thing goes totally off the rails, they might not be back. So what's their motivation unless, like I said, Mara goes and has that conversation, which which I can't see him having.
0: I can't either, but I think that that's part of this whole conversation that we're having. The, the McAdoo thing, James, and what Dan just said, like he's got to win games to save his job. I, I think if you poll Giants fans right now, I don't think they would you know, sign up for this guy back for next season. Um, yeah. But the, Historically, the Giants don't do this. The Giants are not a team that's going to pull the plug on Ben McAdoo, but... Do you think he's feeling heat here? I mean, he, uh, the 11-5 from last year and a playoff berth in year one, probably in, in almost any sense is going to buy him his third year with the Giants in 2018. But outside of just wanting to win a game and pulling a, uh, a Jim Moore there, do you think he's going to feel heat or is feeling heat for his job security at any point this season?
2: I,
1: I think it depends on how you're defining heat. I don't Look, I don't think Ben McAdoo is going to get fired. For two reasons. One, he signed a four-year deal. I just don't see the Giants eating two years of a buyout with him, plus all his coordinators. Two, and his assistant coaches. Two, you can't fire Ben McAdoo and not fire Jerry Reese. You pulled your one time where you pushed the head coach out and you leave Jerry Reese in in his general manager. Uh, the next time John Mara makes a move, he's got a level – the entire operation, clean house, start fresh. I don't think he's there yet. I do think that, yes, McAdoo is going to be back here unless this thing becomes, you know, like an embarrassment that makes the Jets blush. I, I think that's the only way he would be gone. But that being said, I definitely think Ben feels heat. I mean, the fan base has turned against him. He is floundering with the media. And I don't know if that's, I don't think, you know, a lot of people say that's not important, and maybe it isn't. But I mean, it's not even that he's, you know, he's he's short with us and he won't give us information. It's that his press conferences are just, they become like SNL sketches sometimes. You know, just like, it seems like he, he's not even effectively stiff arming the media. You know, the players are, are still with him. But, you know, even if you come back in year three, you know, I mean, the Giants don't necessarily have – they don't really have lame duck coaches. They always don't want to coach coaching in the final year is deals. So it could be a situation like Todd Bowles. I mean, now look, we don't know how that's going to play out. But, you know, Todd Bowles had a good first year, a very rough second year. He came back for the third year, but he came back for the third year basically with everyone saying that he was gone. Now, maybe maybe this team – this Jets team is plucky enough and he stays. But I do think Ben is feeling heat that even if he comes back, For year three. And I think it's 99.9% certainty that he'll be the head coach in 2018. What's he coming back to? He's going to have a team that, I I don't know. I mean, I think they're going to have to make some major changes. I don't think this team's going to come in next year talking about the fifth trophy in the case. And, you know, if the fans are against him and the media is very skeptical and the team's not great, I mean, he could be in a position where it's really hard for him to keep his job for 2019. So I don't think Ben's feeling heat that he's going to be unemployed in three months, but I I do think he's feeling heat that in 15 months he might be unemployed.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting because the Giants typically are a very patient organization, but they don't typically have these high highs, low lows, right back to back with a a coach that really um, is not established. Like even during Tom Coughlin's era, when there was, I mean, every ten days it felt like someone wrote a story that he should be fired or talk radio did this. Um, he was established. He he had had a track record of success that if you wanted to support him, you can go back to his time in Jacksonville. We don't have anything on Ben McAdoo. Well, says, I would he's say a-
1: too. Go ahead, James. I, I would say with Tom. Tom was at his best when his back was against the wall. Yeah, he was. You know, I mean, Ben. Ben's back has been against the wall for weeks now, and nothing's working. And that's kind of the thing about the Giants, too. They're stuck. I mean, they're not going to fire the coach. They're not going to fire the GM. They can't fire the coordinators. I mean, look, if Ben were to fire one of his coordinators, I think it would be a complete disaster because basically Ben, a guy who can take no blame, is now going to fire, you know, a coordinator who's been here and won Super Bowls here. I mean, that's not going to work. No assistance. You're not benching the quarterback. I mean, it, they're, they just they just got to kind of eat this. And, you know, but and it's all going to come on him. So, you know, who knows what's going to happen?
0: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, as we look forward here a little bit, guys, Sunday, the Chargers, the, the one thing um, that from this past Sunday against the Bucks, Dan, that was different uh, and it continues to, I guess, evolve is the, the different uh, variations of how Ben is running the offensive line out there. I thought they ran a little bit better. I mean, there were a lot of plays that got blown up. But Wayne Gallman, Perkins, before he got hurt with the screen game, I mean, when they got the ball in those guys' hands, there were actually a little bit of space. I thought they ran the ball decently, uh, though there were a lot of plays where it just got blown up in the backfield. That's one thing I guess we'll keep watching to see if there's any more changes there. Or do you think the offensive line now is going to be what it was on Sunday?
2: No, I don't think, I mean, that's that's the big mystery, because do they want to just keep Justin Pugh at right tackle kind of indefinitely, because Bobby Hart wasn't even active on Sunday, now granted he wasn't on the injury report either, so I don't know if that was a situation, I, I'm guessing it was a combination of, they didn't feel like he was 100%, but you know, he should be on the injury report if that's the case, um, but maybe it is a performance thing, and they just think that uh, you know Pugh gives them the best chance at right tackle, but again, if I still don't think you would dress uh, Chad Wheeler over heart, So I, I think there has to be something to do with the health involved there. But no, I mean, I, I would be surprised if they stick to that. I think DJ Fluker, while he didn't have the, you know, the greatest game that the line played a little better with him in there, I think, you know, I, I'd like to see him get another shot. I mean, because listen, Gerald McCoy is going to make everybody look bad. <laughs> it doesn't matter who you are. I mean, he was in that backfield sometimes before Eli was pulling away from center. That's how quick that guy is. It's, he's a freak. Um, but no, I, I think that they're going to probably still have to mix a match. I mean, I think um, I don't know if John Jerry, I mean, he wasn't very good at left guard. He wasn't very good at right guard. I don't know why he is kind of guaranteed a roster spot. It's funny. It seemed like they played pretty well when Brett Jones went in for Rich Berger center. Like, I don't think anybody should have a guaranteed spot. Uh, on this line, uh, I think they probably should still mix, uh, mix and match going forward. But the fact that they have some injuries uh, makes it a little trickier. I mean, Richberg is going to start this week in the concussion protocol. I mean, there's no telling if he'll be ready or not. Obviously, this early, so um, you know, I, I think it's tough for them to say, "Oh yeah, we're just going to run that same line out there." Because again, it wasn't perfect. I will say, uh, you know, the Gallman definitely showed some flashes, and, and it's, I mean, it's enough is enough with Paul Perkins. I mean, he's, it's not all his fault. The line isn't very good, but he's averaging two yards less per carry than Darkwa and Vareen and Gallman. So, I mean, there's yards to be made and he just isn't finding them at all. So it has to be Gallman's turn. The, the unfortunate part is Darkwa might end up getting squeezed out, which is kind of the story of his career because, you know, he, he would have been in line to get those carries he couldn't play because it was back and, and now it looks like Gallman is kind of the, the flavor of the week and, and they're probably more inclined to ride with him because he is a fourth round pick and Darkwa's always kind of had that stigma of being an undrafted free agent. Um but the pass blocking was pretty good because it wasn't the the kind of fake good pass blocking against Philly where they just – Eli threw the ball and goes hot potato. He actually had some time, and I think they did a pretty good job. And Eli did a really good job navigating the pocket. I mean, obviously, the 14-yard run was uh, something to behold. And, you know, Eli has been, been- – Good to really good the last two games. And imagine how good it'd be if his receivers would actually help him out and catch uh, some of these balls he's putting right in their hands. So um, that's funny because that was one of the big storylines coming into the air. Maybe after the first week or two that uh, Eli's cooked, you know, put a fork in on this team, can't win with him. Now it's like he's the one giving him a chance to win and everyone else is letting him down, which again is not the storyline we thought would be coming in. But that's, that's an encouraging sign because if they can ever, you know, turn things around or, you know, draft the left tackle in the draft next year maybe he's not uh as close to the end as we thought i mean it's, it's two weeks not gonna overreact but uh i think he has looked very good but yeah the line is it, still big question marks i mean it's funny that we're we're celebrating how much better they played and, and how wayne gallman looks so impressive i mean he averaged 3.8 yards a carry so it's not exactly kareem hunt or uh you know dalvin cook or anything like that i mean this is a, a rookie who got in there and just looked a little bit better than the guy who you know can't get out of his own way
0: Yeah, it's true. And on Eli, four games, 69.9 completion percentage. He leads the NFL in completions. Um, Yeah, he's not been bad by any stretch of imagination. He's been been pretty good. And like you said, Dan, the last couple weeks, um, certainly has has played, I think, at a high level and well enough to win. I mean, that's the thing. If if Eli plays like this, they should be able to win some football games. They haven't yet. James, let's quickly look forward to Sunday. It's tough to say anything with conviction anymore because um, the Giants, I don't know what we're getting each week except just poor play. Though this, see, if there's one opponent right now, maybe outside the Browns, that feels like a good one for the Giants, it's the Chargers. They, I'm tired of hearing James that the Chargers are a good team that loses close games. And they're just a bad team. It's been they've lost 29 out of 41 games. They lost again on Sunday. They're winless. They're traveling west to east for a one o'clock game. I don't know what the line is yet. I imagine the Giants are favored. I can't imagine there's many teams they'd be favored against. But this feels like a game they should win.
1: Yes, I was looking at the numbers briefly. Uh, this is this could be a heck of a heck of a game on Sunday. Uh, the Giants and the Chargers both are horrible against the run. They both can't run the ball. Yep. I think the Chargers lead the NFL in missed tackles. We know the Giants can't tackle. But the one thing I keep on coming back to is that Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram are going to be coming off the edges against this offensive line for the Giants that that is been schemed around for the past two weeks, and everyone's been saying, you know, the line's better, you know, Flowers is better, this is better. I think this is really going to be a true test about where this line stands on Sunday because 30 combined pressures, nine combined sacks from those two pass rushers so far this season.
0: Yeah, they're good. I think that's
1: really where, yeah, I mean, that's really why I think this game's going to come down to is can they keep up? Because look, if if the Giants can protect Eli... I think they should win this game just because use Gallman a little bit more. Maybe you take advantage of that run defense, get it going. Chargers can't run the ball. I I do think once the Giants are better against the run, I think everything will kind of fall into place for the defense a little bit. So on paper, I, I like this matchup for the Giants. I mean, I do think the home crowd is a factor just because I said this on Twitter on Sunday night, who knows what they're coming home to? I mean, it could be empty seats and apathy uh, when they go three and out on the first drive of the game, inevitably the boos are going to be out of control. You know, I mean, the one good thing is, I don't—I think there's like seven Chargers fans left in America. So, well, there uh, certainly I, weren't any in their
0: own stadium
1: last weekend. No. So, I mean, and the Chargers, I mean, what a disaster uh, that has been for them moving to Los Angeles. I mean, the NFL should be ashamed of itself for allowing that to happen, but that's another story for another day. But, you know, I, look, I think it's a good matchup for the Giants, but I just come back to, if Bosa and Ingram make this a demolition derby in the backfield, I think there's a very good chance the Giants could lose this game. And if they get to 0-5, uh, it's going to get ratcheted up even more around here.
0: Yeah, it's just going to be a go from a snowball to an avalanche. Dan, your thoughts on the game? It's weird as I think about it. Um, Eli Rivers, they don't get to play very often. And now maybe the last time they play each other is in a very weird spot where they're both quarterbacking really bad teams.
2: Yeah, no, that is kind of a funny storyline that, you know, probably would have got more attention if, you know, we weren't at, you know, DEFCON 5 over here with the way this giant season has gone. I don't think anyone really cares to take a trip down memory lane uh, this week. But, yeah, I mean, if you look at the uh, Chargers schedule, it's kind of been the story of the last couple of years. Lost by three at Denver, lost by two to the Dolphins, you know, got, got beat up a little bit by the Chiefs and lost by two to the Eagles. So, I mean that's some good teams. They've lost close games against. Um, so it's pretty similar to the, to the giants really. So I, I mean, listen, if you don't win this game, you know, 0 4 at home, West Coast team coming east for one o'clock kickoff. If you don't win this game, I mean, obviously just forget about it. Everything I said earlier about, you know, this thing not going in the toilet. I mean, you're looking at 2 14 if they can't get up and find a way. I don't think it'll be easy. I'd be stunned if they blow them out or anything like that. I mean, the Chargers show. They kind of hang around every game and find a way to lose. Clearly, that's been the Giants' MO the last two weeks. But. Again, if, if they do have all this talent that I've you know, I've spent the podcast saying they do have, they'll find a way. Somehow, it's probably not going to be pretty. It might be a missed field goal by the Chargers or the Buzzer. Whatever it is, whatever it takes, uh, they just need, obviously, to find a way to win this game. Because like James said, the schedule doesn't really let up at any point. So there's no say, all right, well, they just got to get to this point. They'll rattle off a couple of wins. This is the win. This is the most winnable game on the entire schedule Uh, You got to get it. There's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. I mean, you can't get the 0-5. I mean, my goodness, uh, it'll be panic. Buttons will be being smashed all over the tri-state area, so they need to at least uh, get one win here to, you know, stave that off for for another week and, and see where things go from there.
0: It is amazing how quickly the conversation has changed. A month ago, we're talking eleven and five, ten and six, nine and seven, playoffs, Super Bowl, and now try to win a game. As Ben McAdoo said last week, James, as always, thanks for doing this. The rest of the season not going to be what I think what we expected, but it should be interesting uh, for a lot of different reasons. We'll talk next week. You got it, Joe. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, thanks a lot, Joe. And thanks to all of you for listening. Remember always iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere you can find podcasts, we're there. Leave us a rating on iTunes. Five-star reviews helps the show grow. We'll be back next week after the Charger game. Talk about either an 0-5 team or a Giants team that got their first victory. Thank you for listening right here on NJ.com.